Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's June 9th, 1873. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Now, in the 19th century, it was pretty much guaranteed that if you built any new big thing, it would, at some point, at least in part, burn to the ground. (laughs) But even England's biggest pessimists had not predicted that just 16 days after opening, London's latest big draw, Alexandra Palace, the Palace of the People, would be ravaged in flames. And it was on this day at lunchtime that the fire began. Supposedly sparked by a single burning ember as well. It was workmen who were putting the finishing touches on the large central dome that was, you know, one of the iconic elements of the design. And according to a trade magazine called The Builder, they later speculated that the workmen had downed their hot irons carelessly in their rushed head off to lunch because the, the fire broke out pretty much, you know, right at midday. But to make matters worse, that particular ember was then fanned by some particularly strong winds. Apparently it was quite a windy day and that helped the fire spread. And at first, the scale of the fire was downplayed, I suppose, by the workmen who weren't keen to have fire engines instantly sent up to this thing that they'd only just finished building. But it soon became apparent that the Metropolitan Fire Brigade was going to be needed. So they actually sent for them by telegraph. (laughs) Well, that's how they did it then. I mean, it's strange to think about, isn't it? Because the equivalent now would be like a stadium or something. And imagine if only the local fire brigade could be summoned, literally by people (laughs) shouting and ringing bells. Otherwise, you had to send a telegraph to get the citywide fire department to know about. You'd be waiting hours, and in the meantime, the whole thing burns down. Yeah, and this presented a fresh problem, because if you don't know London very well, Alexandra Palace sits on top of Muswell Hills. It's the top of a hill, and they actually had to build a rail extension in order to get people there. Obviously, fire engines in this time were not motorised, so the nine horse-drawn steam-powered fire engines and seven manual engines had to climb seven miles uphill, carrying about 120 firefighters inside. Yeah, it's beautifully situated for almost any eventuality, Alexandra Palace, (laughs) apart from being engulfed in flames, isn't it? It's it's 300 foot up in the sky. It has a stunning view over Hertfordshire and Essex. So then the roof collapses at 1.30pm and that destroys this enormous musical organ that had been designed by Henry Willis that was valued at £30,000. But the crash was so loud that it was able to be heard six miles away, which I suppose at least the approaching firemen would have been able to hear where they were headed at this stage. (laughs) Um, But by the time they arrived, they also weren't able to find enough water to pump. Not that it really mattered because they were so late that the palace was already pretty much in ruins and three people, unfortunately, were dead. And according to a report in The Times, the whole interior is an unsightly ruin from beginning to end, completely open to the sky and filled with iron material twisted into all kinds of fantastic shapes, which really reminds me of Ground Zero, you know, some of those mm. images of the World Trade Center that you saw with these huge twisted pieces of metal sticking up to the sky. And there didn't seem to be much reaction from the palace to it. 
which is interesting because this was all done in Victoria's name like everything was then they opened it on her 54th birthday I think it was it was the first place that had horse racing obviously something the royals are always into it had a gigantic firework display ironically on opening day I mean it's still associated with fireworks isn't it people still go to Alexandra Palace for fireworks spoiler they did rebuild it but there doesn't seem to be much reaction beyond kind of the news story of, oh dear, it's burnt down and we, we must do the right thing and build it again. It's like the embarrassment of it having been burnt down so quickly just couldn't be talked about. The shame that they mm. put all this money into this thing and then it had caught fire. It was like, let's just rebuild it as soon as we can. Yeah, and even in the moment of the literal burning, I mean, it's a bit of a testament to Victorian stoicism, but before the fire had even burnt out, the palace's directors had agreed that they would continue with the rest of the outdoor programme as planned, (laughs) and they were going to start rebuilding literally as soon as possible. You know, even before the fire was completely quenched, they were talking about rebuilding it, and it was actually a lot quicker to rebuild than it had been to build the first time. Well, part of the outdoor programme was apparently a nightly reconstruction of the destruction of Pompeii, and that must have been (laughs) particularly easy to yeah. <laughs> to pull off when you've got this smouldering wreck <laughs> behind your <laughs> fireworks display. Let's talk about the programme because it seems to me on the one hand quite restrained and upright like you would expect from something programmed in Victorian London and almost anti-Victorian in its gaudy kind of appeal to the public. So mm. they had an aquarium, they had archery matches, they had fates in the grounds outside all of this feels like quite accessible like most people would be interested in this stuff it's a spectacle and yeah. yet it was all delivered in the context like we discussed in our Epping Forest episode of let's give the people a break from the industrialization of the city smog let's give them parkland to walk around in most people were drawn there by the fireworks and the circus acts and the guy who came up with the original idea, this architect Owen Jones, who later went on to work on the V&A Museum, and he'd already worked on the great exhibition buildings of 1851 as well. His original idea was literally a palace of the people. But Epping Forest wouldn't be known, as you'll know if you listen to our episode on Epping Forest. It wouldn't be called the People's Forest until 1882. So possibly in the 1850s, when he was first pitching this idea, it sounded a little bit socialisty for the time. Mm. And the royal connection, you, know, you mentioned earlier, it was opened on Queen Victoria's birthday. That wasn't really in the original plan. He wanted to call it the Palace of the People and somewhere along the way it was decided that actually they should name it after Princess Alexandra who was Princess of Wales she was young she was popular she got married and it seemed like a fitting tribute and that sort of brought the royal set in but the original vision was quite progressive the idea of putting up a palace for the people is such a lovely Mm concept and maybe that does explain Ollie why they included in their program these sort of ostensibly lowest common denominator uh, entertainments because this was a place that was meant to be a public center of recreation entertainment and and yes education as well because they're Victorians but you know they they wanted to entertain the people yeah and you can feel the tension in the report from the London Daily News uh, on the interior of this first Alexandra Palace. They said it was, quote, remarkably elegant. The columns are of pale green, relieved by light lines of yellow, the general effect being exceedingly chaste and subdued. I mean, so far, so Victorian as compliments go, right? But then, in the same report, the programme of amusements which the directors have issued is almost bewildering in its variety. Cat shows, dog shows, horse shows, poultry and pigeon shows. I mean, it doesn't sound that much variety to me, but obviously at the time... (laughs) 
the idea that the very same place that stages a horse show could deign to show a cat show must have seemed <laughs> very exciting. Stoat shows, weasel shows, all your shows. <laughs> if it moves, it's got a show, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably not going to mention it in the accounts of the time, but it must have absolutely stunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favourite uh, act that appeared at uh, Alexandra Palace, although this was after they rebuilt it uh, just two years later, uh, was uh, Ada Webb, Lady High Diver of the World and Queen of the Crystal Tank, is oh, her subtitle on. on her poster. Yeah. I mean, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, um, lots of water-based activities for the new Alexandra Palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, her underwater feats included eating, drinking, smoking, uh-huh. peeling an apple, answering questions, sewing, <laughs> singing, taking snuff and writing. Smoking. Was water different in Victorian times? <laughs> she must have had some sort of magic cigarette, hadn't she? Magic was a big thing as well. Come and see miraculous feats of uh, illusion. You know, this was something else that got the punters in. Well, in addition to all of these new features in the rebuild, they did also, thankfully, think to add some anti-fire measures. Notably, four massive water towers at the capacity of 16,000 gallons. They were built at each corner of the new palace. It had fire doors, etc. You know, the sort of things that we would take for granted now. However, it did not stop the palace from burning down again, although it did last significantly longer this time. It lasted over, over 100 years. Oh, well, I mean, again, 16 days, that's... Uh, yeah, well, they had a big sign outside that said, you know, years without a fire, you know, <laughs> flipped well over the 100 point yeah. by this time. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a side note on, you know, the Henry Willis organ? I do. As intimately as I know any man's organ. well as we mentioned it was destroyed in the fire and actually Henry Willis was there at the time of the fire he apparently risked his life trying to salvage parts of it but it was destroyed how did you salvage a giant organ well he didn't (laughs) I mean to be honest Ollie he didn't but how could you I mean you couldn't even just take away the keys I'm picturing him trying to like shove his hand into molten lead and everything like stop stop (laughs) if I just have one 200 foot pipe it'll be worth it yeah. Well, but so Henry Willis, he was the sort of the premier organ maker of his day. This mm. was an era when you could become famous for organ making. Uh, he duly went to work and created a brand new model, installed it. It lasted quite a long time this time. It lasted up to World War One when they decided to house thousands of European refugees in the Great Hall, which was where the organ was. And because they lived there for months, all the smoke and oil residue ended up clogging up the pipes and it ended up having to be extensively rebuilt. And then in World War Two, a doodlebug bomb dropped right behind it. It smashed out the window over the organ but this time the organ was able to survive with nothing more than a few melted pipes and as far as i know it remains untouched to this day take that nazis (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow pretty much everyone who backed boris they were suddenly out or dead or had had their testicles ripped off love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the acast creator network